0: Welcome to this Uvila Audio presentation of Stories That Never Grow Old, edited by Waddy Piper, Volume 1. All Uvila Audio stories are in the public domain. Stories That Never Grow Old was first published in 1938. It is a collection of classic stories that are best loved by many children the edition by waddy piper is beautifully illustrated and many children from the 1930s on up probably remember it with great fondness and now stories that never grow old the ugly duckling mother duck once built her nest beside the wall of a great castle there was a moat around the wall it was filled with water in which many ducks and geese swam Mother duck found it very lonesome, sitting on her eggs day after day. She did not have many visitors. Her friends liked better to swim about in the moat than to sit and chat with her. However, she knew that she must not let her eggs grow cold, so she sat on them patiently day after day. One morning she heard a crack, and a tiny yellow duck pushed its way out of the egg. Soon there was another crack, and another, and another, until every egg except one had broken. This last egg was larger than the others. As Mother Duck was wondering why it did not crack, old Grandmother Duck, who was swimming by, waddled ashore. How are you? she quacked.
1: Very well, thank you,
0: Mother Duck replied.
1: All my eggs have hatched except one. Come and see my pretty ducklings. What fine ducklings,
0: the old Grandmother said.
1: But why waste your time sitting on that large egg any longer? I'm sure it's a turkey's egg, and a little turkey is a great bother to a duck. I know because I hatched one long ago. He was so afraid of the water he wouldn't even wet his toes. I may as well sit on it a little longer,
0: said Mother Duck.
1: I sat so long now that I'd like to finish the hatching. Do as you like,
0: said the old Grandmother Duck, waddling back to the mount.
1: "'But remember, I warned
0: you!' The next day the large egg cracked, and out came the strangest-looking duck she'd ever seen. Instead of being yellow and fluffy like the other ducklings, it was an ugly greenish-gray colour, and it had a long neck and long, awkward legs. "'He's the ugliest child I've ever had,' thought the mother duck. But she treated him kindly and tried not to let him feel that he was different from the others.' Soon she decided that it was time to teach her little ones to swim. She led the way under the leaves and waddled ahead of them to the moat.
1: Quack, quack,
0: she called. Follow
1: me into the water and use your feet as I use mine.
0: The ducklings waddled into the water and spread their little webbed feet. In a few minutes they were swimming as well as Mother Duck herself.
1: Well, at least my ugly duckling swims as well as the others,
0: thought Mother Duck.
1: So Grandmother Duck was wrong when she said he would be a turkey.
0: Now we're going to the poultry yard, she called. She led the way out of the water and the little ones followed. A few minutes later they waddled into the poultry yard where there were many other ducks as well as geese and hens and turkeys. Such a quacking and clucking and gobbling you've never heard in your life. Everyone stared at the ugly duckling and a young drake laughed out loud.
1: Did anybody ever see such a ridiculous looking bird?
0: he said. With his sharp bill, he pecked at the poor little ugly duckling. Stop, said the mother duck. I will not
1: have my duckling ill treated.
0: The drake went away, but the largest turkey in the yard came up and looked at the frightened little bird.
1: Gobble, 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 he said. Whoever brought this ugly duckling in our yard? Keep away
0: mother duck said i will not allow anyone to torment him but mother duck could not be beside the ugly duckling all the time and whenever she was away from him for even a moment someone teased him or pecked at him the ugly duckling was given no peace even his own brothers and sisters made fun of him and the girl who came out to feed them kicked him away day after day things grew worse the ugly duckling was treated so badly that he decided to run away he ran toward the fence, spreading his wings, and by using all his strength he managed to fly over it. The little birds in the bushes where he landed flew away in fright. That is because I am
1: so ugly that I terrify them,
0: he thought sadly. He travelled on until he reached a great marsh where crowds of wild ducks were swimming. The ugly ducklings swam out among them, bowing politely this way and that, as the mother duck had taught him to do. The wild ducks made fun of him, but they did not peck him as the birds in the poultry yard had done.
1: You are very ugly,
0: one of them told him.
1: We don't mind having you around, but don't try to marry into any of our families.
0: The poor little duck had no thought of marriage. All he wanted was a chance to find food and a comfortable place to sleep. He swam around the marsh and found plenty to eat and spent the night under some tall rushes at the edge of the water. Before long, the wild ducks spread their wings and flew away. The ugly duckling was left alone in the marsh. The days grew colder and the food was harder and harder to find. At length, the water began to freeze and the place where he swam became smaller and smaller. One morning, he was frozen in place and could not move. He thought the end of his life had come, but a peasant who was passing broke the ice with his wooden shoe and carried the half-frozen little duck home. Here he soon thawed out in the heat of the cottage. The peasant had two children who wanted to play with the little bird, but the ugly duckling was afraid of them and flew wildly about. He flopped into the milk pan, and when the peasant's wife shouted at him, he flew from the milk into the butter crock and then into the flour barrel. By this time he was no longer grey but white with flour. The poor woman ran at him with the fire tongs, but fortunately the door was opened, and the ugly duckling managed to escape. The rest of the winter was a time of great suffering for him. He almost starved, and the only shelter he could find was a clump of dried rushes. But he lived through the cold months, and when the spring came, the sun began to warm the marsh, and the plants began to grow. Soon the ugly duckling felt warm and comfortable. The songbirds that had flown south for the winter began to fly back, As the ugly duckling heard their songs, he felt a desire to fly. He spread his wings and rose from the ground. His wings had grown long and strong, and they made a rushing sound as he flew into the air. How beautiful the world looked! Apple trees were in bloom, and little streams rippled through the green fields. The ugly duckling flew on and on, enjoying the warm sun and the blue sky and the lovely places over which he passed. After a while he saw a great house with a beautiful garden. In the garden was a pond that looked like a sheet of clear glass. The ugly duckling swooped down and lightened on the pond. "'How I would
1: love to live here,'
0: he thought. Just then he saw three wonderful birds come out of the bushes and walk down to the water. They had gleaming white plumage, and long graceful necks.
1: "'They must be the swans,
0: the royal birds.' "'the ugly duckling thought. "'He felt sad as he looked at them.
1: "'This pond, of course, belongs to them, "'and they will not allow me to stay,'
0: he thought. "'He was about to spread his wings and fly away, "'but a great sadness overcame him. "'As the three swans swam toward him, he bowed his head, "'but as he looked at his reflection in the clear water, "'he saw that he was no longer grey and ugly. "'His neck was long and graceful, "'and his plumage was glistening white.' like that the three swans. When they came close to him, they did not peck him or make fun of him. They just stroked him gently with their bills and welcomed him to their pond. Just then, two children ran out of the house, bringing bread for the swans. "'There's a new one,' cried the little boy. "'Yes,
1: and see how beautiful he is,'
0: the little girl replied.
1: "'More beautiful than any of the others.'
0: When they heard the words, the three swans bowed their graceful necks in honor of their new comrade how happy he was after so much suffering to have everything so comfortable and pleasant after having everyone make fun of him and torment him to be welcomed by the most beautiful birds in the world he shook his white plumes and said joyfully
1: it does not matter that one was hatched in a duck's nest if one came from a swan's egg I never dreamed that such happiness was in store for me in the days when I was called the Ugly Duckling.
0: The Brayman Town Musicians A farmer lived near the town of Brayman. He had a donkey who had been a hard-working animal, but now he was growing weak with age. One day the old donkey was eating grass near the farmhouse. Old Hee-Haw is getting old, he heard the farmer say to his wife. "'Tomorrow I will take him to market and sell him to the tanner. "'With what he gives me for the skin and a little more, I can buy a young donkey.'" Poor old Hee Haw began to shiver and shake, but suddenly he threw up his head. "'Why should I have to be so to the tanner?' he said to himself. "'Age hasn't heard my fine voice. "'In Brementown the people love music. "'I'll go there and earn my living as a musician.'" Feeling much better, the old donkey trotted down the road to Brementown, after a while, he stopped for a few bites of grass beside the road. Lying in the grass was a dog panting very hard. Why do you pant so, my friend? I asked He Hee "And What's your name? My name is Bruno, replied the dog. For years I guarded my master's house and his flocks, but now I'm old, and my sight is not sharp enough for him. I overheard him telling his wife that he was going to knock me on the head and get a younger dog, so I ran away but now I don't know where to go or how to earn my living. Can you still bark? asked the donkey. Oh, yeah, the dog replied. <coughs> you have a fine deep note, said Hee Haw. Join me and go to Town. There we can make our living as musicians. Up jumped the old dog, and side by side the two animals started toward Town. A little farther along, they came to a place where a cat was sitting in the middle of the road, looking very sad. "'What's troubling you, Mistress Cat?' asked Hee Haw. "'I'm homeless and hungry,' said the cat.
1: "'For years I caught mice in my mistress's house, but now I can't move quickly enough and the mice escape. I heard my mistress planning to tie a stone around my neck and drop me into the river, so I ran away.' But now I don't know how to find a bite to eat.
0: Can you still meow? asked the donkey. Oh, yes, indeed, replied the cat. <coughs> That's a very sweet tone, said the donkey, and we should make excellent harmony with my and Bruno's bark. We are going to Bremen Town to earn our living as musicians. Won't you come with us? Thank you, said the cat.
1: "'My name is Felix, and I shall be glad to meow
0: with you.' Soon they passed a farmyard where a Rooster was perched on top of the barn. He crowed, flapping his wings. "'Why do you crow so loudly?' called the donkey. "'Because tomorrow will be a fine day,' replied the Rooster. "'I always
1: crow extra loud and long for fine weather, but it annoys my mistress.' I just heard her tell the maid
0: she would wring my neck tomorrow and make soup of me. Then why not come with us, suggested the donkey. We're bound for Braemantown to make our living as musicians. I'll go with pleasure, said the rooster. My name is Chanticleer. So they all went on toward Braemantown. Soon it began to grow dark and the donkey said they would have to spend the night in the woods. He and Bruno lay down under a tree. Felix climbed to one of the lower branches, and clear, flew to the very top. "'There must be a house in the forest,' he called down. "'I see a light through the leaves.' "'In that case,' said Hee Haw, getting up, "'perhaps we can find more comfortable quarters than this rough ground. "'Where there's a house, there's usually a barn.' They set off through the forest, and in a few minutes came to the house. "'I'm the tallest,' said Hee Haw. "'I'll go softly to the window and see what's inside.' He walked to the window and looked into the room. Then he walked back to the place where his friends were standing. A of robbers, he prayed very softly. On the table were piles of gold and jewels, and there were all sorts of good things to eat and drink. That would be a fine place for us to spend the night, growled Bruno. If only we could get rid of the robbers. Robbers are easily frightened, purred Felix. Because they are not honourable. So they are crowed Chantanclaire in a very small voice. "'If altogether we make as much noise as we can, perhaps we can frighten them away.' They all crept up to the window. Hee Haw stood with his chin just above the sill. Bruno jumped on his back. Felix jumped on Bruno's back. And Chanticleer flew up and perched on Felix's back. "'Now when I nod my head,' said Hee Haw, "'let each one of us make as much noise as possible.' And then, as He Haw nodded, the donkey brayed, the dog barked, the cat meowed, and the rooster crowed and flopped his wings. What in the world is that? shouted one of the robbers. An old four sprang up from the table in great fear. With a whir of his wings, Chanticleer flew in and put out the light. Felix came after him with a hiss. Bruno followed with a growl, and old He Haw jumped through the window with a loud bray and a clatter of hooves against the window frame. The robbers were so frightened, they ran out of the house and didn't stop until they put a full mile between themselves and the terrible noises that had come upon them so suddenly. The gold can wait, said Hee Haw, sitting down at the table. I'm hungry. So am I, said Bruno, taking his place at the other end. Felix sat on one side and Chanticleer on the other end of the table, and when they got up again, there was little left of the feast. Now, said the donkey, I'm going to drag in a bunch of hay and lie here by the door. This thick rug will be my bed, said the dog. I'll sleep on the warm hearth, purred the cat. That raft near the ceiling will make a perfect perch for me, crowed the rooster. Meanwhile, the robbers had run until they were tired out. What are we running away from anyway? asked one as they came to a stop. It must have been a troop of hobgoblins, said another. Yes, I've never heard such horrible noises in all my life, said the third. Hobgoblins are no hobgoblins, said the fourth. I am going back for my and jewels. The four robbers walked back through the forest when they reached the house all was still and dark. I'll go in first, said the fourth robber, and you all come close behind me. He groped around until he found a candle. "'The fire's nearly out,' he called. "'But there are a few sparks that would be enough to light the candle.' He marched boldly to the fireplace, but what he took for sparks were the fiery eyes of Felix glaring through the darkness. As he stooped, the cat sprang up with a hiss and buried her claws in his arm. The robber screamed and turned to run out the door, but as he turned he stepped on Bruno's tail.' The old dog growled and bit him on the leg. Then Clear flew down and pecked his neck and as he came to the doorway he Hawk kicked out with his hind legs and landed the robber on his back outside the door. Terribly frightened, they all ran away as fast as they could and never dared go back to the house again. The four musicians settled down in comfort with the gold and jewels the robbers had left. They were able to buy all the food they needed so they never went to Bremen Town after all. But once a year, they give a concert for their own pleasure. They stand by the window, as they did when they frightened the robbers, and as the donkey nods his head, all together they begin. The Fox and the Stork Renard the fox liked to play tricks on all his animal and bird friends. One day he invited Longlegs the stork to dinner. When his guest arrived, Renard led the way to the table. He had prepared a good thick soup, which he knew Longlegs liked better than anything else. But to play a joke on the stork, the fox had served it in a low, flat dish. Eat up, my friend, said Renard, and with his long red tongue he lapped up the good soup. But poor Longlegs, with his long bill, could only get a few drops of good soup, so he went home hungrier than when he came. Not long afterwards, he invited Master Renard to dine with him. When the fox reached the storks' home, Longlegs led the way to the dinner table. Now, instead of being served in a low, flat dish, the soup was served in a tall jar. Eat up, my friend, invited Longlegs, and put his long bill down into the delicious soup. But Renard could not get even the tip of his nose into the small mouth of the jar. He had to be satisfied with a few drops that fell down the outside. So he went home hungrier than when he came. But he remembered the trick he had played on Stork, and had to admit to himself that, for once, he had met his match. The Boy and the North Wind A long time ago in Norway, a boy lived with his mother. One day she gave him a bowl and said, Go to the storehouse and bring me some meal for our porch. The boy crossed the yard and filled the bowl in the storehouse, but the moment he came out the door, the north wind came down with a roar and blew all the meal out of the bowl. The boy went back into the storehouse and got some more meal, but as soon as he stepped out the door, the wind blew the meal away again. Once more he filled the bowl, and once more the wind emptied it. Now the boy became angry. He started toward the north where the wind had his home. He walked and walked, and it was almost night when he reached the palace of the North Wind. "'Good day,' said the boy to the wind.
1: "'Thank you for
0: calling on me yesterday.' "'Good day,' the wind replied gruffly. "'There's no no need for thanks. What What brought you here?' "'I
1: came to ask you to give back the meal you blew from my bowl,' said the boy. "'We are very poor, and if you keep blowing our meal away, we are likely to starve.'
0: "'I've got no meal,' said the North Wind. "'But I'll give you a tablecloth that will be better than many bushels of grain. "'When you want to eat, say to the Cloth, "'Cloth, cover the table, and serve a fine meal.' "'The boy thanked the North Wind and started home with the tablecloth. "'But darkness came upon him before he had gone far. "'There was an inn nearby, and the boy went in. "'He seated himself there and said, "'Cloth, cover the table, and serve a fine meal.' Immediately a delicious dinner was there before him. The other guests at the inn were wonderstruck. The innkeeper's wife determined that the tablecloth should belong to her. In the middle of the night she crept into the place where the boy was asleep and took the cloth from him. In its place she left one of her own that looked very much like it. When he reached home the boy told his mother all his adventures and showed her the tablecloth. It's a magic cloth, he said. AND SERVES A MEAL WHENEVER I TELL IT TO. I BELIEVE IT WHEN I SEE IT," SAID HIS MOTHER. THE BOY PUT THE CLOTH ON THE TABLE AND SAID, CLOTH, COVER THE TABLE AND SERVE A FINE MEAL. BUT THE CLOTH LAY JUST AS HE HAD PUT IT, FOR OF COURSE IT WAS NOT THE MAGIC CLOTH. WELL, I'LL HAVE TO GO BACK TO THE NORTH WIND AND TELL HIM HIS tablecloth IS NO GOOD. WHEN HE CAME TO THE PALACE OF THE NORTH WIND HE WAS FEELING VERY ANGRY. ''That tablecloth you gave me is no good,'' he declared. ''It worked once at the inn, but when I reached home and had lost its magic.'' ''Someone must have robbed you,'' replied the North Wind. ''I've, I've got, got no, no more tablecloths, but here's a, a goat, goat that'll keep you supplied with money. When, when your, your purse, purse is empty, you say, ''Goat, give, give me gold,'' ''and immediately it'll be filled with gold coins.'' The boy thanked the wind and led the goat to the same inn where he had spent the night before. He found that his purse was empty and said, "'Goat, give me gold.' Immediately the purse was full of gold coins. That night the innkeeper crept to the place where the boy was sleeping and led the goat away. In its place he left one of his own goats. When the boy reached home he told his mother about the goat's power to fill his purse with gold.
1: "'I believe it when I see it,'
0: said his mother. The boy gave the order, "'Goat, give me gold.' But, of course, no gold appeared. The boy was angrier than ever. Back he went to the palace of the North Wind and told him the goat would not give gold. Well, said the North Wind, I've got nothing left to give you except this old stick you see standing in the corner. If you say to it, stick lay on, it'll be anybody who's bothering you. When you want it to stop, say, stick leave off. This time, when he came to the inn, the boy resolved that he would not fall asleep. He lay down and pretended to be asleep, but kept himself awake. At length, he heard the innkeeper creeping toward him. The innkeeper had not seen the stick do anything, but he felt sure it must have some sort of magic, just as the tablecloth and the goat had had. So he resolved to steal it. Just as he was reaching for it, the boy opened his eyes and said, "'Stick, lay on!' Up jumped the stick and began to beat the innkeeper." He ran around the room, jumping over tables and chairs, but he could not get away from the stick. Oh dear, oh dear, he called. Call to your stick to stop, and I'll give you back the tablecloth and the goat. The boy gave the order. Stick, leave off. And immediately it jumped into his hand and was still. Then the innkeeper brought out the tablecloth and the goat, and the boy started for home happily, swinging the stick in his hand. When he reached the cottage, he said, "'Cloth, cover the table and serve a fine meal.' And there, before his mother's eyes, was the finest dinner she had ever seen. Then he said, "'Goat, give me gold.' And his purse was piled with gold coins. "'We shall never have to worry about the bowl full of meal again,' said the boy, "'and we'll keep the stick
1: standing in the corner to be used "'if anybody tries to rob us of our tablecloth
0: or of our goat.' THE STORY OF HANSEL AND GRETEL Near a great forest lived a poor woodcutter with his two children, Hansel and Gretel, and their stepmother. Times were very hard, and a day came when there was no food in the cottage except a little stale bread. That night the stepmother said to her husband,
1: I can't bear to see the children starve. It would be better to take them into the forest and leave them. There they might at least find some berries or roots to eat.
0: The woodcutter was very sad at the thought of parting from his children, but he felt his wife knew best. So the next morning he said to Hansel and Gretel, "'Come with me into the forest. While I cut wood, you can look for berries.' Gretel was glad, but Hansel had overheard what his stepmother had said the night before, and knew that his father intended to leave them in the woods. Her stepmother gave each of them a small piece of bread. "'This is for your lunch,' she said. Gretel put her piece into her pocket, but Hansel crumbled his, and every few steps along the way he dropped a crumb to mark the path which they had followed. When they reached a sunny clearing in the forest, their father said, You may stay here and hunt for berries while I go on farther to cut wood. All morning the children looked for berries, but none were to be found. At noon they ate Gretel's bread. As evening came on, Gretel began to grow anxious.
1: I wonder why father does not come
0: she asked. With sorrow, Hansel told her what he had overheard their stepmother saying. Gretel began to cry, but Hansel comforted her. "'Wait until the moon rises,' he said. "'Then the crumbs I dropped will show us the way home.' But when the moon rose, no crumbs were to be seen. The hungry birds had eaten them all. Sad and hungry, the children laid down at the foot of a tree and fell asleep." in the morning they were awakened by the song of a beautiful bird looking up into the tree they saw a bird of gleaming white feathers singing with all his might the bird flew to the next tree he seemed to be calling them they followed but as soon as they came beneath the tree in which he was perched he flew on farther they forgot their sadness and their hunger all day they followed the bird toward evening they came to an opening in the forest Before them was a little cottage gleaming in the rays of the setting sun. Look, Gretel, exclaimed Hansel.
1: I believe that cottage is made of gingerbread. It really is,
0: replied Gretel, running up and tasting a little piece that she had pulled from the wall.
1: And the roof looks as though it's shingled with butterscotch. The window sills are made of chocolate,
0: declared Hansel, breaking off a bit and eating it. And all the window panes
1: are made of clear
0: candy, said Gretel. At that moment, the door of the cottage was opened, and an old woman came out. "'What a sweet little boy and girl!' she said in a soft, wheedling voice. "'Are you hungry? Come inside, and I'll give you something to eat.' The children felt afraid, but they followed the old woman into the house. She gave them milk and bread and nuts and apples and pancakes and honey. When they had eaten all they could, she pointed to two little beds.
1: "'Now go off to bed, children.' she said. "'Sleep well, little
0: dears.' In a very few minutes Hansel was fast asleep. The old woman seemed kind, but Gretel did not trust her and decided to stay awake. The old woman had only pretended to be kind. She was really a witch, who had built the house made of candy to lure children there. After a time the old witch came tiptoeing toward Gretel's bed. Gretel pretended to be asleep, and the witch went to the bed where Hansel was sleeping.' Gretel opened her eyes and saw the old witch lift Hansel from the bed and carry him out the door. All night the little girl lay wondering what had happened to her brother. When morning came, the witch shouted at Gretel to get up and gave her a pail to bring water from the pump. Gretel ran out to fill the pail and was astonished to see Hansel lying asleep in a huge cage. She ran over to the cage and called to her brother. When he opened his eyes, he seemed bewildered.
1: "'How did I ever come here?'
0: "'he asked, looking around at the bars of the cage. "'Gretel told him how she had seen the old witch "'carry him from his bed. "'Hansel began to shake the door of the cage, "'but Gretel told him that the witch had no doubt "'locked it by the magic power of her wand "'and that only the same magic power could open it. "'Just then she heard the angry voice of the witch "'calling to her to hurry. "'She filled the pail at the pump "'and ran back to the cottage. "'All day long the witch kept her busy.' sweeping and scrubbing and doing all sorts of hard tasks. Late in the afternoon she ordered Gretel to chop wood. We must heat the oven, said the old witch, chuckling with wicked glee. Gretel wondered why the witch wanted the oven heated, for there was no bread ready to be baked. But she kept on chopping and the witch kept putting wood into the fireplace until there was a great big blaze. Then the witch opened the iron door of the big baking oven and peered in. "'Crawl into the oven, girl,' she ordered, "'and see if it's hot enough.' "'Now indeed Gretel was frightened, "'for she knew that the witch intended to shut her up in the hot oven. "'She would have tried to run away, "'but she could not leave Hansel, a prisoner in the cage outside. "'She had to think up some way to free him.'
1: "'I'm
0: afraid I can't get in,' she said. "'The opening is too small.' "'Silly goose,' snapped the old witch." It's plenty big enough for a little girl. See, even I can get myself into it. Stooping down, she put her head and shoulders into the oven. This was just the chance for which Gretel had been waiting. She grasped the iron door with both hands and slammed it against the old witch, pushing her clear into the oven. Then she closed the door and fastened it. The witch was furious. She shrieked and banged on the door, but Gretel knew she could not get out for she had left her magic wand lying on the table. Picking up the wand, Gretel ran to the cage where Hansel was imprisoned. With one touch of the magic wand, she opened the cage door and Hansel sprang out. The white bird who had led the children to the witch's cottage flew down from a tree. As he touched the ground, he became a handsome young prince, and the cage in which Hansel had been held prisoner melted away into thin air. In the place where it had been, The children saw a pile of gold pieces and precious stones. The prince bowed to Gretel. I have waited many years for this release from my enchantment. The old witch stole me from my father's castle when I was but a child. The spell she put upon me could never be broken until she was outwitted by a mortal. You are the first mortal who has been able to outwit her. He said, bowing to Gretel again. The witch took those jewels and gold pieces when she stole me. He said, I beg that you will accept them as a token of my gratitude. When I am safe again in my father's castle, I should like to have you visit me. Goodbye, he said, and he turned and walked into the forest and was lost to sight among the trees. Hansel and Gretel filled their pockets with gold and precious stones. Then they set out, hoping they might meet someone who could tell them how to reach their home. They had not gone far when they saw their father and stepmother coming toward them. Dear children, exclaimed the stepmother, we could not bear to think of you alone in the forest. If we must
1: starve, we'll all starve together. But we need not starve,
0: said Hansel and Gretel, holding out their hands filled with golden jewels. So they all went home and lived happily ever after, and there was never any poverty in the woodcutter's cottage ever again.